Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and today we're going to talk um, a bit about the intellectual movements in American society from 1945 to 47 um, that um, debated the the future US policy that uh, might likely be adopted regarding the Soviet Union Um, and we're going to look at how journalists and intellectuals shaped different um, uh, different approaches to the um, to the Cold War, uh, or what was to be the Cold War. From about 1944 onwards, American public opinion uh, begins to dramatically change. From 1942 to 44, there had been a broad acceptance of cooperation with the Soviet Union, um, perhaps because of the necessity of war. Uh, perhaps because the Soviet Union had not yet cemented in American public thought as being um, the the great threat that it, it, it later emerges as being. However, from 1944 onwards, perhaps as a result of the, the shifting tides of war, uh, perhaps as a result of general war weariness in America, um, perhaps um, as a, a result of the kind of the creeping realisation that the Soviets uh, weren't going to be moving their armies from Eastern Europe and perhaps couldn't be trusted on the subject of, of espionage, um, the, uh, the public opinion begins to dramatically change. And what generally tends to shift public opinion? Normally, um, the, the media to which the, the public is exposed. So, James Patterson writes, Although the early months of 1946 marked a turning point in official American attitudes towards the Soviet Union, if you um, listen to the podcast a few weeks ago, you'll remember we were talking about how Truman's mind uh, begins to change from uh, indecision to confrontation by about 1946. They did not commit the United States to a completely coherent, overtly anti-Soviet policy. Truman made this privately clear, writing to his mother and sister after the Iron Curtain speech. This is Churchill's Iron Curtain speech at Dayton. In 1946, I'm not yet ready to endorse Mr. Churchill's speech, he said. Until 1947, he was firmer than he had been earlier, but he remained a little tentative, in part because he was still learning on the job and he resisted making any dramatic changes 
in policy that would greatly increase tensions with the Soviet Union. Some of this hesitation came from considerations of public opinion at this time. This was in fact difficult to judge throughout most of 1946, but the majority of Americans were probably less concerned about Soviet behaviour at the time than the top Truman officials. Now that is probably true, but that doesn't mean to suggest that uh, Americans were indifferent towards the Soviet Union. They had, by and large, public opinion showed a huge groundswell of change um, towards attitudes towards the Soviet Union, uh, normally negative. There were signs, to be sure, that some people yearned for a get-tough policy if that would bring order to international relations. Um, leading radio commentators included H.V. Caltonborn and Edward Murrow, of, who had reported from uh, London during the Blitz and was a, a famous wartime correspondent, seemed sympathetic to such uh, an approach, especially with regards to Western Europe, which virtually all shades of American opinion considered the most strategically vital area of the world. So there were uh, other um, publications, particularly Life and Time, the two periodicals of uh, generally kind of centre-ground uh, 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 educated American thought, um, which reported from uh, China, um, reported on the activities of Mao's Communist Party uh, as it gained ground against Chiang Kai-shek's nationalists. Um, and the uh, both publications, for example, had gave a kind of very selective view of what was happening Presenting the, the communists as all bad and the nationalists as in, in entirely virtuous, which is not the case whatsoever. You only need to read about what happened when Chiang Kai-shek got to Taiwan to get a flavour of the man um, in the terror that followed, to which allowed China, the uh, Kuomintang to establish its rule on the island. 30,000 dissidents and members of civil society uh, were murdered. Um, there were some writers uh, who uh, helped to uh, harden attitudes uh, amongst um, Americans, often less less kind of ideologically uh, renowned or less partisan figures, uh, particularly, for example, the cultural critic uh, Brooke, Brooks Atkinson and the editor John Fisher. Both went to the Soviet Union in 1946 and wrote... Uh, articles describing what they saw. Um, neither had been particularly anti-Soviet, but both found the Soviet Union at the end of World War II a totalitarian society. And this is hardly surprising. Um, not only did one have to contend with the culture and the, the, the policies of Stalinism, but also the effect of a war in which 27 million Soviet citizens had been killed um, and that the entire state had had to be mobilised in order to win that war. Um, the um, Book of the Month uh, club selection for, um, uh, I think it was July 1946, was Fisher's book, Why They Behave Like Russians. Uh, which sold hundreds of thousands of copies. And some things, sometimes um, books like that are a kind of a weather vane. They sort of show you which way, which way the wind is blowing. Uh, they're an interesting kind of snapshot as, as to public attitudes. There were liberals in America who wanted to have, wanted to avoid 
confrontation, um, who wanted to resist having a, a harder policies. For example, Claude Pepper of Florida, Glenn Taylor of Idaho, and Harley Kilgore of West Virginia um, all issue a joint statement following the Iron Curtain speech, and it read, Mr Churchill's proposal would cut the throat of the big three, without which the war could not have been won, and without which the peace cannot be saved. So there's an interesting continuity, and it's possible that this was a widespread view, that the big three not only were a kind of a war-winning team, but this was the organisation that would, uh, the the alliance that would build uh, a, a lasting peace. Um, there was the fear, of course, that an anti-Soviet policy would bring about war. You see, unfortunately, uh, appeasement had left policymakers with an appalling dilemma. The the um, the legacy of appeasement was that if one did not instantly stand up to a, an expansionist, undemocratic power then the result would be um, expansion by that power and eventually war on the expansionist and democratic power's terms. However, the uh, belief was that perhaps there was a way of avoiding war still in the other camp, that uh, by standing up to expansionist, aggressive, warlike and democratic power, one actually precipitates the war one is trying to uh, avoid. Uh, And this was something that would divide America, indeed divide the West, into kind of hawkish and dovish camps, liberal and conservative camps. And the idea that the the lessons of appeasement in Hitler um, needed to be learned or had not indeed been yet learned was a kind of a ghost that would would haunt Cold War politics. Um, The reporter Thomas Stokes noted, If someone doesn't call a halt, the interests in this country who seem hell-bent on war with Russia and soon will get their way. Lots of people seem to have gone completely mad. But this is to slightly misunderstand, in a way, um, liberal politics in America. Liberal politics, if you exclude the the, the, the tiny strand of the the fellow traveller movement, um, who went to the Soviet Union and thought it was just fine and dandy under Stalin, there was a, um, a, a broad body of liberal thought in America that was anti-communist, anti-Soviet, opposed Soviet expansion in Europe, did not trust Stalin, and simply because they wanted to avoid an all-out war with the Soviet Union didn't mean they had any love for it as as uh, a uh, as an entity, they thought it was unwise to um, pour money into the Chinese nationalists because it was uh, entirely suspected that they would turn out to be just as undemocratic and violent and repressive as the communists might be. And they recognised that Eastern Europe would be a Soviet sphere of influence. And perhaps this was the, the essence of um, uh, liberal thinking when it came to foreign policy, was to es- establish settled relations as being um, the best of a, a bad set of circumstances. 
whereas more hawkish, more conservative, more you know, more radical anti-communist um, thought was um, based in the idea that communism needed to be confronted, um, that the established order must be um, of the Western world must be strongly uh, strong, strongly protected. So, uh, James Patterson writes. One such writer, and he's referring to the, the, the liberal perspective, was Reinhold Niebuhr, who was by far the most highly regarded of anti-communist liberals during the late 1940s. In his many writings at the time, Niebuhr aroused a generation of younger liberals, the historian Arthur Schlesinger Jr. Um, was the best known of these, to greater awareness of the Soviet threat. But Niebuhr was uncomfortable with what he considered to be excessively moralistic responses from Washington. In September 1946, he wrote in The Nation that the United States should end its futile efforts to change what cannot be changed in Eastern Europe, regarded by Russia as its strategic security belt. He wrote, Western efforts to change conditions in Poland or in Bulgaria, for instance, will prove futile in any event, partly because Russians are there and we aren't, um, partly because such tokens as free elections and free enterprise are irrelevant in that part of the world. Our copybook versions of democracy are frequently as obtuse as Russian dogmatism. If we left Russia alone in that part of the world, uh, in the part of the world it has staked out, we might actually help rather than hinder the indigenous forces which, rest its heavy, which resist its heavy hand. So, to some extent, you could argue that uh, the uh, the commentariat of the late of the mid nineteen forties, uh, the likes of Niebuhr, uh, the likes of Fisher, um, set the mood for the the kind of the tone of of debate. But it's always Congress that uh, decides, particularly when it comes to a cautious president like Truman, or a or a, a president like Truman who is still undecided about policy direction. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, and the and 
true, uh, Congress itself, up until 1946, is relatively risk-averse and can't be ignored. So Truman was always more likely to come down uh, on the side of Congress rather than risk a fight with um, the Houses uh, that he was unlikely to win, um, particularly as he didn't necessarily have the, the uh, concrete public support for the, the Cold War. So you have, from as almost every tier in American society up to 1946, this degree of indecision. It would be in 1947 Truman's hand would be forced, um, but we'll come to that in, in, uh, in due course. The, this caution um, kind of reflects um, the, the weariness that America had from the Second World War. Um, and still, there was still that sense that uh, whilst the Second World War had been the good war, that um, it had been uh, um, America's intervention had been the, the kind of America's gift to the world uh, and that the world really... Um, had been a kind of uh, a, a huge encumbrance on uh, uh, America's um, energies and uh, blood and treasure. Um, the decline in um, uh, military spending is another determinant. There were huge cuts to military expenditure in 1945 and 46. There's a brilliant book, and you should read it before it goes out of print, called The Arms Bazaar by Anthony Sampson. And he basically makes the point that the entire economy of California virtually collapses at the end of the Second World War um, because of the uh, end of the of, of massive contracts from the aviation to the aviation industry from the government, and um, the government have to find all sorts of ways of subsidising and um, giving bungs to civilian military, and then ramping up aircraft production as a result of the growing Cold War. The Navy had to um, sell uh, 4,000 ships and uh, scrap 2,000 more and shut down 84 shipyards. Um, there were close to mutinous conditions in the army in 1946 um, as there were veterans who had been uh, kept behind in Europe um, month after month, and uh, demanded release and demanded demobilization. The Americans knew, as did the Soviets, that their fighting power in Europe was draining away at the end of the um, uh, Second World War, uh, in the months after the Second World War, and that had the if the Soviets were minded to do so, perhaps even risking the possibility of a nuclear strike on the Soviet Union they could have uh, marched to the English Channel without much trouble. The policy that the British and the Americans had was to leave Europe as soon as possible, and if there had been a Soviet attack, um, to evacuate uh, immediately. American forces probably evacuating to Great Britain and then back to the, the USA. Um, because there's simply no way that um, the Allied armies could contend with the size of the Red Army. In April 1946, the Congress extended the draft uh, all the way through to March 1947 uh, and then called from, for voluntary recruitment from April 1947 to August 1948. Um, 
the Congress rejected efforts by Truman to introduce um, universal military training. Um, this was seen as being um, a, a gross intrusion into uh, the civil liberties of individuals and the state dictating what individuals uh, did and how they, they acted. These was considered, this was considered to be wildly unconstitutional and un-American. So, defence spending fell from uh, $81.6 billion in 1945 to $44.7 billion in 1946 and to $13 billion in 1947. So, there's a dramatic decline in defence spending. Um, and this was another reason why, um, throughout 1946, um, Congress and Truman are... Uh, ill-inclined to um, confront the Soviet Union, uh, perhaps having to use the threat of military uh, uh, manpower or firepower when the Soviet Union would know full well that military power in the USA was uh, in retreat. Um, so up until 1950, the, the 13.1 billion level of spending is, is basically kept and it's only the Korean War that sends arms spending back through the roof. Um, the federal government actually, in 1947 and 49, and this tells you a lot about Americans' arms spending, began to run a surplus. Uh, so uh, there is a very interesting story, not a story for this pod, for this episode, yeah, but perhaps in the future, about American arms spending and deficits. The US Army was uh, 1.5 million strong by mid-1945, mainly uh, at home in the US or on occupation duty in Europe and, and in uh, Japan. Um, though America actually did still have the, the largest Navy and Air Force in the world, it was ground troops that uh, America, uh, in comparative terms, compared to the Soviet Union, was short on. Um, uh, it was observed at the time that to intervene in anything greater than a minor conflict, such as a territorial dispute between Italy and Yugoslavia, uh, would have been impossible. It's possible that Stalin also knew that the atomic bomb was something of a paper tiger. Uh, the reason for that isn't the bomb itself, but it's the, the means of delivery. Um, until 1950 the US Air Force was relying on the B-29 bomber. Um, the B-29 bomber uh, did not have the range from the US to the USSR. Uh, perhaps it could have been flown from somewhere in Europe, but, it, but the B-29s weren't stationed there. They were stationed in Texas, Louisiana and California. Um, so it was only when a new generation of long-range B-36 bombers uh, were ready in 1950, that um, there was the possibility of a strike over the, uh, the USSR. And so the atomic shield of the USSR, of, of the USA, is patchy during um, the, 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 the last half of the 1940s. The uh, Americans have seven uh, atomic bombs by uh, mid-1946, and by 1947, um, they had 13. Um, they are not easy to use. The reason why it was possible to use 
an atomic bomb over uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima was that by 1945, uh, the Americans had already won an air war over Japan um, and had comprehensively destroyed Japanese air defences anyway. It would be a very different prospect over the Soviet Union. Um, only specially designed B-29s were able to carry the bombs, um, and the bombs themselves, the, the, this type of bombing was not necessarily particularly precise. Um, a, a, a bomb test at Bikini in the Pacific in 1946 missed the target by two miles. Also, uranium uh, at that point was scarce, perhaps they were unaware you could refine it from seawater, um, and advocates of strategic bombing um, thought that the um, weapons uh, of the Second World War, mainly ex high explosives and firebombs, would still be the means by which Soviet cities would be raised to the ground in a future war. So the, the Soviets would have been as circumspect as the Americans were because the Soviets were successfully spying on the Americans um, and were still willing to take uh, gambles when it, surround, when, when it came to, um, uh, to war. So those supporters of a get-tough policy on the USSR um, also found that there was mixed feelings about this from major, uh, major groups that you would normally look to. The army, um, of course, were looking for um, higher uh, allocations of men and money and resources. This is what armed services do. Um, and the State Department um, generally looked the, the, saw it, its role as um, making sure that American interests were protected, but that didn't always mean confronting the USSR. The military-industrial complex, which was uh, a term that was coined by Eisenhower at the end of his second term, was less of a kind of a, a combined entity in 1945-46 uh, than it was later on. And most American industrialists saw returns coming from um, a uh, consumer market. They thought repurposing American industry to uh, provide for the needs of a new generation of American homeowners and consumers was going to be the way in which um, returns on investment would really, really happen. So they themselves were not um, necessarily clamouring for big defence contracts, but obviously that changes uh, later on. Now, in the uh, next couple of weeks, I'm going to do uh, a couple of podcasts uh, on the Truman Doctrine. And it is the, the Truman Doctrine that suddenly changes all this kind of indecision and doubt, uh, partly because the uh, circumstances internationally uh, change. Uh, and then when that occurs... Truman has to uh, amend how he approaches the uh, question of the Soviet Union. But until then, have a great week or two, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thanks very much. All the best. Bye-bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 